Before we get going, Outside the Shoot would like to thank one of their sponsors, Coldstream Clear. Have you tried the new strawberry kiwi? Man, this stuff is good. Ditch the sugar with a fresh and flavorful vodka soda. Is iced tea your drink of choice? Well, Coldstream has both peach and lemon flavor. Taste the real tea difference. The only truly local hard iced tea made in the hub of Nova Scotia. Or maybe you're into mixing your own drinks. Coldstream has a huge selection of rum, vodka, liqueurs, and the must-try coffee rum cream. Visit them online at coldstreamclear.com and check out their amazing selections. Look for new products around all Atlantic provinces in the coming months, and they ship all across Canada. Again, that's coldstreamclear.com, Nova Scotia's original. Hey everybody, hope you had an amazing weekend. Welcome to episode number 31 of Outside the Shoot. I'm your host, Randy Frame. Well, the OTC Player of the Week is back, and the first winner for 2021 is Zoe Yeager of Jacksonville, Florida. Zoe went 6 for 13 with a double, triple, two home runs, and four RBIs last weekend at the PGF Arizona Winter Invite. Congrats, Zoe, and great job on a fantastic start to 2021. On to this week's guest, and we sat down and chatted with women's Canadian national team member and Maple Ridge, BC native Larissa Franklin. Larissa is a two-time NFCA All-Region honoree, three-time All-Conference selection, finished collegiate career at IPFW in Western Kentucky University with a 398 average, 287 hits, to go along with 91 stolen bases and 70 walks. She also tied Western Kentucky University's record for the longest hit streak at 15 games. She is a two-time Pan Am Games medalist, and that included a gold medal in 2005 on home soil in Toronto. We're going to talk to Larissa about getting her start in the game in BC, her fantastic college career, being named to the Canadian national team, as well as the origin of her awesome fake training videos that are a must-see every Friday. Larissa was an absolute treat to chat with. Her upbeat personality I'm sure resonates well with everyone she comes across, and you'll see why after this interview. So as usual, grab that drink, sit back, relax, cause here we go. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. I can't describe what I'm feeling, ain't never felt this freedom. I got the world in my palm, lights, camera, action, it's on. Ain't never felt this freedom. Could you, could you say that anything goes, anything goes, anything goes. Here we go. Larissa, thanks for finally coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm glad we could get this going today. Yeah, a little side story for our listeners here. I I sent Larissa a message to to come on the podcast on September 1st, and I finally got a response on November 20th. Now, uh, I'm going to chalk that up to the amount of messages you get on (laughs) Fake Training Fridays and its popularity, right? Yeah, totally. It's not my lack of understanding how to how to find the message request on Instagram. It's just, you know, I had messages on messages I had to filter through. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no <laughs> doubt. No doubt. Now, uh, before we get talking about your career, I need to know the origin for fake training. Yeah, I figured that was going to come up fairly early. <laughs> um, I actually was trying to think about it because it's been about a year now. And 
Um, I was trying to think when and how that started. And I believe it started because I had an injured rib back about a year ago. And so I was at training and with our, one of our strength coaches and I didn't want to stop. Like, I didn't want to not do the training for that day. So we had some sprints, but I just, I couldn't sprint with a sprained rib or whatever was going on. And so I was like, I'm just going to hug my arms around myself and sprint. So we did that and I took a video and he was like, it actually, I think sparked from him because he said, it'd be funny if you posted kind of like some of these fake trainings. And I don't know the exact words he used, but I was like, you know what? That would be funny. So I think I posted that one and then kept going with it. And I was like, I didn't want to give away too much of, you know, what I was doing in my training. So I was like, this seems like a fun way that I can show off a little bit of what I'm doing to a degree, obviously. Yeah. Um, and, and also have some fun with it. Oh yeah. The the one you just released this Friday with the, with Joey and the, and the practice with fans that I got a good laugh on that one. That was, that was pretty good. <laughs> yeah. And I've actually had that idea of like, for a year, you know, I had it written in my phone and because last year, Joey, or I guess whenever that was, I don't even know what year we're in right now, but the last time I saw Joey, she kept cheering in this loud or like this low, like a, yeah, and I was like, that'd be perfect. Like, this is hilarious. Every time she does it, we need to incorporate this somehow. So if I, Joey's finally, I was with her and I was like, okay, we're doing this. Are you down to do this? And, uh, her execution was key for that for sure. Oh yeah. It was fantastic. Now, now would you say like, based on, you know, what we see on social media, would you say you're one of those teammates that you know, likes to keep things loose? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if anything, it's a struggle for me to, to be serious. So, um, and to be honest, whenever I am being too serious, it's kind of like a check-in for myself of like, this isn't what makes you the best you. So I, I try to stay loose for games, for training. I, you know, I like people making people laugh. I've always loved doing that. And um, it's really when I'm at my best. And I, I enjoy that that is reflecting in my social media now and that I am coming across as that type of person because that is who I am. And the more I can portray that to other people, the better. But I think uh, life's honestly too short to, to take things seriously. Um, I, I feel like during these times, we've kind of seen that of people, you know, just working in different, even office spaces. And you, you have to accept that there's children around and you have to accept that everyone's situation is a little bit different. Right. And we don't have that, that rigid structure of like, you have to be at work wearing these professional clothes in this setting. And it's kind of like just accepting whatever life throws your way. And that's, that's how I like to really go through life. And, um, yeah, not take things too seriously and, and keep things light. Yeah. Right on. Well, I, I think that's a big thing, big, you know, part of team chemistry. You, you, you need those, like those, you know, you're going to have those players that are real serious, but you also need, need the ones that, you know, keep it lighthearted and, and keep people loose. Yeah. And I've learned that like, for sure. There was, I know in university, there was a point where I was, uh, pregame sitting on the bus and I'm studying all of these scouting reports and, you know, try, and this, I just probably played to the national team for about a year or something at that point. And so I was like, this information is important. I know this information is important. I need to get it. I'm going to be serious before the game, studying these and everything. And I definitely was trying to be a player that I've now learned I am not. So while I think that that type of information is of course important, I've learned that for me, it's not important right before the game. And I think 
that's one of the biggest things I've learned throughout my career as a softball player and as a person is what what do I have to do to make me great and what makes me great? And for me, that that's being light and not taking things too seriously and learning the timing of when to do those things. So like I'll have my moments before games when when I am a little bit more serious and a little bit more in the zone. And then next thing you know, it's playing hacky sack with my teammates right before the game so that, you know, we're all loose going into it and having a good time. Right on. But yeah, it's, it's learning, know what type of player you are, what type of person you are more importantly, and um, just learning that and that self-awareness. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so how's the real, yeah. how's the real training going now? You got, you starting to ramp things up? <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I personally decided to take a couple of weeks off over the Christmas break. I I feel like I've been going pretty hard through COVID times, to be honest. Like it was just getting out to a, a any kind of field and putting in work, and I, ha- I mentally haven't checked out throughout the summer, throughout the fall. So I I made it a point to take two weeks off. I didn't do too much. I started getting more into some conditioning, cycling stuff going back into about just before January 3rd. And I, you know, I'm happy I did it. It was tough when the first like couple days I was like, no, I want to be doing something. I need to be doing something. There's so many things that I want to work on, but I'm happy that I took that break when I didn't need it as much versus taking it when, when I needed it, you know, when I felt drained and everything. So I took it and I'm excited to be back now. We I started training the beginning of this last week with some of the girls here in Ontario and um yeah, just feel super refreshed and and ready to go. Right on. So did you did you move to Ontario like like for an extended period of time now or or just just temporarily? Yeah, I think you know, if you ask my family that, they have no clue what I'm doing ever. Um, <laughs> and that's because to the point or to some point, like, I don't necessarily know. Like, I, you know, I just go with the flow. So the original plan was I got here in June and I was planning on training here for the fall and, you know, go home here and there. And I've been here for an extended period of time. I, I got home. I was able to get home into BC for the month of September. And I've been here from October ever since. And so I guess, yes, I've moved here. Um, I, my partner and I have bought a condo here. Just, you know, we needed a place to live. So we're like, you know what? The condo market's low. Let's, let's get in it. And, um, so right now this is, I guess what I would call home, but at some point, um, just waiting to hear when we can go and start traveling the world and start playing and in a bubble, of course, or whatever that's going to look like. So, I'm training here. This is the best training for me, but I fully plan on being not here for hopefully an extended period of time leading up to the Olympics. Right. Now, has Coach Smith given you guys any indication on when you guys may all be getting together? Uh, I feel like we've had indications for the past six months of right, true. different dates that we've tried to put into effect. So, you know, we we have plans and we have things that that especially the staff are preparing for us as athletes, like me in particular, I'm just trying to take things day by day. And, uh, you know, I know that today I am going to do a conditioning session tomorrow. I'm going to take a day off and then Monday I'm going to get back at it with some, with another hard softball workout. So as far as plans go, you know, he says things and I don't believe it until we're 
in that place, even right. with, when it comes down to the Olympics, like you're not at the Olympics until you're at the Olympics. And I think that that's how it goes for any other year. But um, with all this COVID stuff in particular, it's even more, more so going to be the case. Yeah, true enough. Yeah, for sure. Now, uh, I guess we'll get on to your career here. I, uh, the question I ask every guest we have, uh, tell us when and where you got your start in the game. Yeah, I started out in uh, my hometown, Maple Ridge. So that's where I'm from. That's where I still call home. And I started out playing t-ball at the age of five. And then I got into rep ball at eight years old. And I I actually have some pretty vivid memories of playing t-ball. I... First of all, I I remember like crushing the ball off of the tee and you know, I'm one of my 27 now and I'm still pretty <laughs> proud of <laughs> 5 years old being able to crush that ball off the tee. Oh, and, for uh, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and my my grandpa in particular, he would watch me play t-ball and I'd just be running laps around some of the girls and he I think he saw my talent at that age and he saw an ad in the newspaper for the rep tryouts in Maple Ridge. And he pushed my parents to send me, send me to that tryout. So at eight years old, they signed me up and I tried out for the might select team. But I, I remember as a T-ball player, we had, you know, every, you have a certain amount of jerseys that you share. And I remember seeing MLB players and they had the full getup. They had the ball pants, the socks, the helmet, like all of it. We're sharing helmets. We're sharing jerseys. And the only thing I wanted at that time was I wanted my very own set of ball pants, socks, like the whole outfit. <laughs> I didn't want to be wearing wearing sweatpants with my jersey and sharing a helmet. And that was like my one, my one main goal at that age. And I remember once I went went out for my select and and I got my my very own pants, socks, helmet. I was so excited and uh, that was you know my first goal that I remember reaching in softball. That's awesome. It, there, nothing beats getting like, of course now with you know being on the Olympic team and everything, but uh, you know growing up getting getting new uniforms, like getting a new swag yeah. and, and all that and, and getting it for the first time. It's just like, Oh, look at this. I'm, I match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I have to, I have to remind myself of that now too, for sure. Because, you know, I'm, I'm so lucky to receive the support that I do uh, in terms of like equipment and all of that stuff. And, you know, it's so easy to take it for granted every single year you you're handed a team Canada uniform and, I really try to take a moment every single year and, you know, look at that, look at the Maple Leaf, think about what it means. And, and, um, even every time I put it on before a game, you try to take that moment because it's so easy to just kind of accept that you you keep getting this uniform, whether it's team Canada, whether it's another one or just any particular situation in your life, just, just taking a step back and accepting that, you know, why is this important to you and why are you so grateful for this moment? Because yeah, it's, it's something you dream of uh, getting and it's so exciting to put that uniform on, but you sometimes can just let it like skip by. Yeah, so. absolutely. Now the travel team out there, were you with the uh, white rock renegades? Was it? Yeah, sorry. So yeah. I, I stuck there at uh, might select, but I <laughs> went to yeah, I did. I, I in grade eleven, I switched and went to the White Rock Renegades. So I played for Maple Ridge up until grade eleven, and then played two years with them. Okay, well, any any memorable moments that you can recall? Um, 
I mean, there definitely is. <laughs> you guys, you, usually, uh, you, usually, you know, White Rock would be a, like from BC. They'd be a powerhouse, wouldn't they? Like it, that, that's what you know. I the sense I got from re, like talking to other girls on here as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that was one of the eye-opening parts for me. Is I only played two years with those girls, and we were from all different areas. Like we came from all different teams. The, the team that I joined hadn't really been together for years. So okay. for two years, we were kind of establishing that, that team chemistry at the same time as growing our skills. And that was the biggest thing for me is how much I learned when I went to the Renegades. And that was kind of the spark to my education and knowledge as a softball player, I would say, where I where I started to take the leap from just playing the sport to learning the sport. Right. So when you, when you ask what the most like memorable thing for me is from the Renegades, it really is the amount of knowledge that I got in such a short period of time. And then that prepared me to, to jump into college. And, you know, that's, that was kind of my team. I would say my team, while we did, you know, we won a lot, we didn't win anything big. We didn't win a national championship, but I, I do feel like our team as a whole, you know, we grew and we learned a lot together. Right on. So when you were with the 2011 Junior Women's World Team for Team Canada, that were you still with White Rock then or were you going into your first year of uh, university? Yeah, that's a good question. I I had I was done with the Renegades. I had done I was just starting my freshman year of college. So our team had played together the summer before in the Canada Cup and then I went into college for my freshman year and I left it Thanksgiving, American Thanksgiving uh, okay. and came home. And then we flew to South Africa. So it was in that, that first year of college. And uh, I, I went to college and I didn't know how anything worked. And when you go there, you, when you're going to miss classes, you have to get your professors to sign, especially in season. So right. it was like the first couple of weeks. And I was like, Hey, um, I'm in my freshman year, but I, I need to leave at Thanksgiving and I'm not coming back. So I'm going to miss all these finals, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I, I don't know how anything works, but I, I knew it's like, it's what I had to ask to do. And yeah, I was able to, all of them were really good at allowing me to write the finals and stuff, but I think they were taken a little bit off guard that this freshman was asking yeah. to not be there for the whole semester. <laughs> yeah. Getting that, getting that awkward look on what is up with this one? Like, <laughs> yeah. That millennial yeah. Um, entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> so how did it feel to represent Canada for the first time? At that, at that. I feel like it was a blur. Like I, I know that I was so excited. I remember the tryout more than anything, the tryout for the team and being so incredibly nervous and going to bed every single night, thinking about softball, dreaming about softball, waking up, about thinking about softball and just how nervous I was. And to be honest, I don't remember the exact moment of, receiving my the jersey for the the junior team i do remember picking my number mm. but um it was all it was all a blur there was you know i i was the new kid there was some a lot of those girls had played for a junior championship or not junior championship on the junior team for a tournament together and so i was the new kid and i felt like the new kid i felt like i didn't know anyone and i didn't know anything so it was just working through those kinds of emotions and trying to get accustomed to the situation I was in. And, you know, I was so, I was excited, obviously. I, I was so excited to be there with Canada, but the pride that I feel now 
I would say is even more so than the pride that I felt then. I felt pride for myself to make that team at that point. Right. But now I feel so much pride for the country having represented it for eight years now. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. Now, uh, back to back to your college. Uh, what led to your decision to attend Indiana, Purdue, Fort Wayne? Uh, that, that whole college process was, you know, anyone that's gone through it, everyone has different experiences. Uh, some absolutely don't enjoy the process of trying to get recruited. And did you make one of those I videos? Was, oh yeah. It's awful. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is. I look back at it now and I wonder why anyone took me. Um, so I, I, it start, my process started again when I went to the Renegades, and so I kind of started making that recruiting video and, and even learning what a college scholarship was, what it looked like, what D1, D2, D3 was, all of that information. There's so much to learn. And so I kept, I got some, some offers or emails back from coaches that were like, come visit the university. And I kind of pushed them aside and thought that they would still be there in a couple of weeks. And I'd email back and be like, hey, can I come see your school now? And they're like, no, that was like two months ago. <laughs> so, but I just like, I couldn't commit because I didn't know what was out there. And I wanted to, I wanted to know what else I could get, what else would come my way. I didn't want to settle on the first offer that came my way. So mm. we got into July. So it was at the Canada Cup. I was playing for the junior national team and one of the assistant coaches for IPFW was there watching and she told me later on that she was watching me play and she's kind of like, she's talking back to the head coach and she's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. And I played with one of the other girls who was at IPFW at that time. Anyways, they decided to take a chance on me and um, allowed me to go there. But in regards to to me trying to figure out what school I wanted to go to. Like the things I looked up didn't even make sense. Like I was looking it up. If the state had the death penalty, I was looking up if <laughs> the boy to girl ratio, how close the airport was, which actually I would say is a good thing. To think oh yeah. About. But like, 100%. The, like the, I was, I was looking up all of these things that were tangible to me, but really in hindsight didn't matter. And to clarify, like the death penalty, like I'm not worried about anything, but I just thought it was cool that the U S had the death penalty. So I was like, let's look this up and, and get our facts straight before we go there, just in case there's any false, uh, accusations. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So what was, uh, what was your first, uh, you know, memory of jumping on campus there at, uh, IPFW? Uh, Going to the softball field. Mm. I My parents went with me. I didn't visit before going there. So the first time I stepped on campus was I was moving in and my parents were with me. We went to the softball field. One of my teammates, the one teammate I told you about, Brittany, she was there and they, they were all at the field practicing and just hitting balls. And I remember going there and one, I thought it was super cool. They had their own softball field on campus. And by all means, it's not like your stadium softball field that you see at some of these division one colleges right. but I thought it was super cool that you could walk from class straight to the softball field and then the other thing I thought was super cool was that all of these girls were out just hitting balls and playing with no coach around like they were just they were just having fun doing it and to this day that's probably one of my favorite things to do is just go out for a BP session and hit some balls and run around the outfield and shag them but mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was my first memory, and I was like, this is going to be cool. This is fun. So, yeah. Do you remember your first game at all? 
yeah, no, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I, always, I ask that to everybody. Um, <laughs> some I do, do some do. Not the first fall game. I remember our first series was at Auburn University. Um, and I do remember that much, but oh, okay. I don't remember what happened or anything. But yeah, yeah, it was a pretty cool, pretty cool first place to start. Oh yeah, did did you find there were any growing pains in that first season at all? Uh, more so in the second season, actually. Oh. So the first season, I, I feel like you're on a high, you're learning, you don't know anything, like you're just super naive and just playing. And then the second season. And I hear this often. It wasn't just me. Like ever since I kind of experienced my second season, I've noticed this with other girls is the sophomore season has tends to be kind of where you have, you now have expectations, especially if you've performed well, or if you haven't performed well, then you, you know, you still have those expectations to yourself and you're trying to meet them and trying to show your, your college coaches. But yeah, for me, it was the second season expectations, um, you know, different. You've now been away from home a little bit longer. That excitement wears off a, a little bit. And I, um, yeah, that, that second season was a tough one for me. The, the, the sophomore slump. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so was there like any big highlights or memories stick out with your time with the Mastodons? Yeah, definitely are. Uh, what year was that? That was my sophomore year. So the sophomore year was actually, the year that we won conference championship or the championship and the amount of adversity we faced that year as a team was more than any other year in my college experiences. And yeah, we faced so much adversity all year. And it was like, we got to the conference tournament and I remember thinking to myself, like, if we win this, this is going to be crazy. And I'm, I'm, you know, I was, I had some doubt. I was like, we're not going to win. Like, you know, we're not cohesive as a unit. Uh, there's, you know, this person's doing that thing. And um, I think, and sorry, I'm stuttering over my words here. That's but right. <laughs> Because it's, it's just so hard to put into words. But I, people, a lot of championships I find are won after that adversity. And you look at the junior championships with hockey mm-hmm. that just happened and, the U.S., the amount of adversity that was reported that they faced. And, you know, you're pushing through that. You're constantly growing through that. And, there's, you know, there's research out there that says that you, you go through that adversity and and that's where championship teams are made. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a rewarding memory for me that we were able to push through everything that we went through and come out with a championship. And it was the first championship for softball for IPFW as well. So that was really cool. Oh, that's awesome. So what led to the transfer to Western Kentucky? My, so I really, I really liked my head coach and she was with us for two years. So we won that championship my sophomore year. And then she, she told us that she was moving back to, she actually, that was her alma mater was Western Kentucky. So she was going there to coach and I was definitely crushed. She, you know, she was kind of like that. I don't, don't want to say mom figure, but it's always nice to have a coach away from home who cares about you oh, yeah. and who supports you because you don't have your family there. And she was really good at doing that as well as the amount of stuff I learned from her. And, you know, I wasn't ready to not be coached under her. So my junior year, myself and our pitcher, we tried to transfer, but we weren't able to get released. And so we we played it out for another season, which was, 
again, full of so many lessons. And then senior year, our pitcher, Miranda Kramer, and then um, myself, and then our catcher, Danny Pugh, and uh, Caitlin Hansen. So four of us, all seniors, we, one after the other, kind of domino effect, we're like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And we were able to get our release and transfer at that point. And the main reason for it was just we wanted to play under our head coach. We enjoyed playing for her. We knew she would, we, we could win with her. And that's all we wanted our senior years. We wanted to win another championship. Right on. So what, what was your first impression when you got, when you got to Western Kentucky? It was a bigger campus. So it, it felt more like the college experience I had heard about. There was a football team, a football stadium. So I kind it was, I felt like I had leveled up and IPFW coming from Canada. Like I, I loved it. I, love the campus. And like I said, I was so excited to see the softball field, but it just felt like I, I had leveled up and no matter what situation you're in, you can always level up, whether you're playing at the top div one stadium in, in the U S or like you can always level up and go play professional ball at an even bigger stadium with even more fans. So that was my first impression was like, okay, cool. This is like, this is different. It's more. And I was excited to get after it for another year and experience everything that that, that university had to offer. And you'd have a fantastic year with them. You led the team in average hits, runs, stolen bases. Uh, maybe tell us a bit about the, the senior year with the, with the Hilltoppers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was a good year. It was fun. I think our biggest, obstacle coming in there was there was four of us who were seniors coming into a team where there was four seniors already so Uh, my coach had been there she had been there for a year and she had been kind of establishing herself but now she's bringing in four transfers to join four seniors and these seniors obviously you know to no disrespect to them that they're thinking that they're seniors they've been here for four years and you know I didn't want to step on any toes and come in and act like I owned the place like I was a senior because you know what I didn't I I felt like I was a freshman in a new place and while I did feel like I could bring my my play to the team I didn't want to step on their toes so the hardest part was trying to mesh with with them and come to an agreement that we are all in this together and you know we have eight seniors leading this team and that's a pretty cool thing if we can all work together and we didn't have anything come up necessarily that was like an issue where we had to sit down and be like, hey, guys, like it's us versus you type of thing. Right. But I personally felt the that I, you know, I, I had a duty, to, to, I guess, to to mix well with them, of course, to right. have that team cohesion. So, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Now, yeah. How did you guys end up doing that year? Uh, yeah, we, we won conference championship then. Um, and we, you know, we had Miranda Kramer. She was our number one pitcher. She went on to play pro and she, she was incredible for us. She was a lefty and I would say she, she pulled us through. She pulled us through the whole season and I don't want to give all the credit to her because, because of course there is eight other players, but she, she was the pitcher that we needed. And then we had a good staff behind her to step in and give her a little bit of a break. And we had eight other players on the field that were able to put some runs up on the board, but we, we won the conference championship. We went on to regionals. We beat Georgia once at regionals and then 
the last day, you know, they came back and beat us twice and we were able to be, get, get to the super regionals, which was definitely crushing, especially mm-hmm. being the last season, but we had a, a really good, a really good run. And I, just overall, I would say that the season was fun. Like it, it was a good season. I, I enjoyed myself. I'm happy I transferred. Right on. So for, for those that are listening, trying to get noticed by college and universities, what's the best advice you think you could give someone? Hmm. College and universities, best advice. I would say that <laughs> I'm not stumped at all. Don't, don't. There's, so, there's just so much. Um, have a really good YouTube video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're, I think just in four years, you're going to learn so much about yourself. And the more you can write that down in a journal and reflect on it and gain that self-awareness, it's preparing you for life. Like mm. whether your senior season is your last season or you go on to do, to play pro or play national team or whatever you decide to do in softball, that college career, you're going to grow more than you're going to grow anywhere else. Right. Now we're going to go to the women's national team. Uh, 2013, you get word that you, you got named to the team. What was going through your mind when you, when you got that news? <laughs> um, the, again, I don't remember that, that specific moment, but I do remember everything leading up to it. I remember 2012, I had played on the junior national team and then I saw my name on this list in 2012 for the senior national team pool. And I, I was like, I don't know what this means. My name is on this list. Does this mean I made the team? Does this mean I'm going to the tryouts? It's like, should I be excited? Like, how does this even work? <laughs> and then, and then the next list came out and my name wasn't on it. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not on the team. And so then 2013 or 2012, I played with team BC and we were playing at the Canada Cup, and this is probably one of my most vivid memories. Like, if if you ask, like, if we talk about the moment where I felt like it was possible, and the moment where I felt like, not that I made the national team, but like it was in my hands to make it. Mm-hmm. I was playing with Team BC at the Canada Cup, and the game finished, and I'm packing up my bag, and my coach Gord Collins, he called me over. He has this like big glare or not glare grin on his face and he hands me a business card with a name on the back and he, I flip it over and he was like something about like you made the show or something like that and I, I'm trying to filter through what that means and then I'm reading this name on this card Mark Smith with a phone number and I'm like Mark Smith Mark Smith I'm like who the heck is Mark Smith and you know Coach Smith, Coach Smith if you're listening to this now I'm sorry that I didn't know who you were at that time but I was just playing softball <laughs> um, so I'm reading this card and he's like the head coach of the women's national team wants you to give him a call and I'm pretty sure he must have given a spoiler of wanting me to to come play with them for that tournament or something because I took that card and I sprinted out to the parking lot as fast as I could. And I got to the truck where my mom and grandma were waiting and I had instant tears. And it's the first time in my life that I had tears of happiness. Mm. And I, they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And, and I just, I told them that he wanted me to call him. And the, so I gave him a call and he wanted me to come play for like play, a um, for the Canada cup with them. And so that meant that I was just going to base run. I was going to be a pinch runner 
step out on the field once a game. Um, and so I was so excited for the next day. And that next day I get a phone call and they didn't have enough jerseys for me. <laughs> so I was, I went from being super stoked to actually pretty upset. Like oh, wow. in that moment, I, I thought that, you know, there goes my, <laughs> my opportunity. Right. Anyways, I went out and watched them play that day. And then the next day, uh, was able to step on the field with them. But that, that whole lead up was, that was the exciting moment for me where I finally felt like this dream that I had had since, I don't know, let's say eight years old was possible. And I was actually getting a chance to step on the field with the national team. Right. Now was 2013 world cup softball and OKC. Was that your first, uh, real big tournament with them? Yes, it was. How, uh, how were the nerves for that one? Um, again, I, I don't quite remember, but, Again, I was I wasn't starting at that point, so my role was to pinch run. And I do remember, you know, when you're a pinch runner, you have that one role. You have, you know, all your focus is on that. And I remember I was like excited for that moment where someone like one of those big hitters would get a hit, and I'd step on the field, and I just wanted to execute because that was the one thing I could do, and mm -hmm. I wanted to run as fast as I could. Frankie run fast, and. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that's, to be honest, I, I don't remember much from, from that other than trying to, to take that one moment that I got and make the best of it. Right. Now, now we'll talk on what I, I'm pretty sure you're going to remember, uh, 2015 Pan Am Games in Toronto. <laughs> you guys took home the gold medal, defeating US 4-2. Uh, I've touched on this with some of your teammates on here before, but I love getting, you know, different perspectives on it. How do you remember it? Yeah. Um, maybe that's why my memory is so full with some, with things like this, that I forget <laughs> other, other things. <laughs> yeah, that, oh, that was just like one of the coolest things I've experienced in this sport. And again, we had adversity that year. Like we had so much adversity. Like if I compare my sophomore year winning, winning the championship at IPFW to the Pan Am games, like the amount of adversity we faced and having that moment of like, how are we going to win through this? Mm. I definitely had that. Um, I know that you've had Victoria Hayward on here and, and she was injured that year. And, you know, to this day, I still feel bad that she didn't get to experience that moment. But that was just one of the things that we experienced. And, you know, our captain went down and it was like, I had that thought, you know, I played next to her in the outfield and it was like, how do we win a championship without our captain and, you know, the person in right field next to me right. out there. And the cool part is we did. And that's, that's no disrespect to Vic because she's such a huge, um, has such a huge impact to our team, but the ability for us to push through that adversity and still come through with a championship was incredible. And I, you know, to this day, I say that, we won that championship because of the fans, you know, we had a good team, but the fans in Toronto for, for the Pan American games were incredible. Like we, our final game, we we're warming up on the practice field and they're hanging over the backside of the main field and cheering for us. And then we walk onto the field for the game and they started, they stood up and started cheering for us. And we walked out, to the outfield to go play hacky sack and they stood up and cheered for us. Like literally every single thing they cheered for us. So you feel that support of a whole, a whole community and a whole country behind you. Like that extra little push was enough for us to take that zero, zero tie in the seventh inning 
and go up and put four runs on the board in in the top of the eight. Yeah, yeah. That uh, now the U.S. would get two in the bottom. Were, were you getting a little nervous at that point? <laughs> um, I think you, yeah, you always have that that moment of like. You know, they have some momentum going, yeah. and you're you're you can you're sitting there. There's I don't know how many people were on base, but you know you're going through those things where if they get one one hit here, it changes the whole course of the game. And those are the moments that are the toughest to you know check into your brain and be like, no, stop thinking that, get back in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's like that's natural that you're going to have those thoughts. But again, like talking to that self awareness that the quicker you can recognize that and get back to the present moment, because, you know, Sarah Groenwegen was pitching at the end of the day, I can't control what kind of pitcher she does. I can't control if the batter hits it, but I can control if I make a badass play and do what I have to do for us to win this ball game. Yeah. She threw phenomenal in that game though. Oh, absolutely. Like I, that like, you know, you talk about the fans giving you energy, your pitcher can give you energy as well. And I remember so many moments of, you know, her getting strikeouts and pointing my finger at her. And she just, yeah, she completely jacked, I think, she jacked myself up and all of us up. And between innings, she was even in the dugout, banging a bat on the roof and making noise herself. So she was in it. She, <laughs> yeah, awesome. she was tuned in. It was probably one of the best, most incredible games I've seen her throw personally. That's awesome. Yeah. The Olympic qualifiers at Softball City in Surrey in 2019. Does that feel like ages ago now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like <laughs> I was uh Victoria Hayward said something to me yesterday and she was like it was like she said something about two years ago. And to me it feels like last season because I think most of us have in a sense blacked out yeah. this last year. But yeah, it's I wanna say it was last season, but I mean it, it technically was the last time it's the last time I played a game, which is crazy. Hmm. Um and what makes it so much more exciting when we can eventually get back out there. But yeah, that feels like ages ago. Um, but that was, that was a pretty cool experience as well. Oh yeah. Kaylee's walk off to, for you guys to qualify that, uh, that's going to go down in you know, in Canadian history is probably one of the biggest hits ever. Yeah, that was, that was so perfect. I was actually on deck for that. Like talk about a front row. Seat. Oh, nice. I, um, and I remember standing there and I was like, I'm not getting up to that. I I just had this feeling I was not getting up to that. And and then she hit that and I was like, nope, we're going home. <laughs> well, I mean, we're home, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, when, yeah, that was. When we were talking to Kaylee on here, she had it in her head that, you know, she was going to hit the home run right there. And, you know, <laughs> she did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, yeah, we all knew it. That's, I mean, the power of visioning things and making them happen <laughs> yeah exactly now uh with it being so long ago how do you how do you feel that you know you guys were pretty much all set to go to the olympics here in in march mm-hmm. and training in halifax um personally for you how like from the mental part of the game how how was that for you mm-hmm. um yeah i mean Personally is a good word because I feel like my experience or my mindset and perspective compared to others is completely different. Everyone's is completely different for me. The postponement, it, I'm, I'm still waiting for it to hit and I, <laughs> like for it to, to be in shock. Like I thought maybe it would come and I'd be upset later on, but I quickly was like, my mindset shifted 
And it was like, okay, well, this is out of my control. What, what can I do now with the next year? And I can confidently say that I I've enjoyed this last year and getting an extra year of training. And I feel like my game has grown and Mm. I think I'll look back and be very, very thankful for this extra year. And not that I wouldn't have been ready for the Olympics, but in my opinion, you can always do more and you can always be, be better. And I'm fortunate that my body is in a good place. Like, of course, you know, like at some point your body starts like screaming at you to stop doing it this to itself but um my body's in a good place and mindset wise like i'm in a really good place and i personally had a a tough year in 2019 it was probably you know on my whole softball career it was probably my most challenging year so i was thankful to have you know one extra year to get my mind and and everything in the right place going into hopefully july 2021 yeah for sure hopefully we're we're crossing our fingers uh, yeah we're, we're assuming yes yeah so no. uh, before we get on to the final segment here uh tell us about being uh, a mizuno ambassador and, and a little bit about what that entails yeah so i mean that's another thing that i never imagined you know was being working with a, a company or having a partnership and when they originally approached me, it's probably three, three, two or three years now. And, you know, your first thought is, okay, like what, what are their products? And, you know, I was excited. I was like, okay, I'll get a bat and gloves and all this stuff. And the biggest thing for me in that moment was I wanted a good relationship with a company. So I wanted, well, I wanted good equipment, of course, to go into my game, but the relationship was the most important part to me. And I, after three years, I, I, I could not speak more highly about my relationship with Mizuno. And if I were to suggest the product to anyone, it would be because I believe that they are a great company and they care about not only us as ambassadors, but about the people purchasing their products. And one of the biggest things is they allow me to be myself. You know, I can go to them and be like, Hey, I have this idea. And we've all seen, you know, my ideas, like they can can get pretty crazy. I feel like I go to, I go to them with about like two good ideas for every 10, (laughs) but they, they listen to it. They allow me to, you know, create my videos and do whatever I would like with it and just be myself. And that's probably one of the most important things is they don't put me into a box and tell me what I have to be. They accept me for who I am and what I want to do. And that's what makes the relationship so fun. Awesome. That's, that's freaking fantastic. Is there, is there any other, uh, any other like, things that you're working closely with any other uh, yeah there's there's a couple other ones that you know aren't they're not as formal as i would say the mizuno one is but right. i'm very grateful to be partnered with some some great companies that are just helping support my training i you know for the past few months i've done some work with um, they're called live holos which is a they're like an overnight oath but it's full of everything you could need um, in a, a breakfast. So that has been really impactful in preparing me for the, the day I eat them and I feel super full. And then I've also recently partnered with uh, Hammock, H-A-M-U-Q, and it's a, a mattress company because I felt like I wasn't waking up as recovered. I was tossing and turning all night and they were able to support me with sending a mattress and man i've been sleeping pretty good yeah i saw, I saw a couple and, of your videos there that it, it looks really comfortable and hey it it 
do, it you it doesn't move other things on the other side of the bed, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I thought that was a pretty good experiment. I uh, jumped on the one side if anyone didn't see it and you know, the couple crates and a laptop on the other side of it didn't topple over. So you can ask for anything in a mattress. That seems like a good one. Yeah. I was still waiting for that's all it takes. I know. <laughs> I, I definitely missed that opportunity. Like, yeah, sometimes I want to use it all the time. And I don't know if you've ever seen, like every, a lot of people say it. We were listening to this masterclass the other day and a couple of my teammates sent me a video from it and Usher, he's like, he's explaining something. And all of a sudden he's like, that's all it takes. <laughs> and it, was like, <laughs> it was so perfect. Like, it's, it's, and that's kind of how I try to live my life is that simplicity. Like don't complicate things, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, that's all it takes. It just takes the smallest amount of thing. And yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, a little thing we end the, end the show with is thing I, we call player association here. Um, I'm going to throw it a name to you and you can say as much or as little as you want about them. All right. Okay, perfect. So we're going to start with uh, Courtney Cronin. Mm, wow. You're digging deep. I dug deep. <laughs> she, she was actually, I, I forgot about this when you were talking IPFW memories. She was like my, my big buddy that I was paired with. Um, she was Canadian. She was a senior. And um, yeah, she's a nice, like incredible human being. And she was incredible on the mound. And um, she definitely made me feel very safe and comfortable at uh, in Fort Wayne. Awesome. Uh, next one, you touched on her a little bit uh, before here, uh, Miranda Kramer. Mm. Yeah, we we were friends like throughout four years of college together. We were friends, roommates for three years. And she's a gamer. She she shows up and she, you know, she's got some grit on the mound. Um, and just she's a fun human being to to do things with. And I think she... She took advantage of every opportunity she had for a university, and I think that's uh, something super special. Right on. Uh, next one is uh, Caitlin Lever. Uh, you know, if there's one person, when I get asked who my role model was and who I looked up to, it was it was Caitlin. She was uh, the center fielder when I came on the national team. And I just pretty much shadowed her. It was like watching everything she did. I stood like she'd go first in the outfield, I'd go next. And I believe at this point in your career, most people had that person. And for me, it was Caitlin. And she was great for me on the field as well as off. And um, yeah, she was she was my big sister. I definitely miss her. Awesome. Uh, next is Natalie Weidman. Oh, Nat. <laughs> <laughs> I love Nat. She's you know she's an old soul. She. Uh, we were actually roommates all last summer because we both had similar sleeping styles and, um, yeah, she's, she's a sweetheart. I, she thinks on a deeper level than most people. And that's what I enjoy about her. Like she can get deep. She, she's very spiritual and, um, I've, I've loved playing with that. Do you, do you get a lot of pictures of her puppy Luna? <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's she's become that dog person. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, next on the list is Erica Polidori. Oh, you're hitting all you're hitting all the good ones. Um, oh, it's hard to summarize these because, <laughs> yeah, Ian and I have been close. We, I mean, like Matt, we played all, we all played together on the junior national team, right? And you know, Erica's she's yeah one of my people. She's the person 
you know, I've, I've been training with her this whole off season pretty well from the summer up until this point. And I'm super impressed with the focus she has brought into this extra year, the amount of work she's putting in on the side um, with watching video, which is analyzing her swing. And I think we are going to see some incredible things from her, but just as a person, she's, she's a special one. Excellent. And the last one on the list is Joey Lai. <laughs> yeah! That's Joey. Yeah, Joey's a great teammate. Probably one of the best teammates that I have played with and one of the hardest workers. Like, no one would deny that Joey works really hard. And um, oh, our team is just full of so many incredible genuine nice people but joey she leads the way she's yeah she's super genuine super super kind and um super hard worker i learned a lot from her every day right on well larissa that's it i uh i need to thank you for finally coming on the podcast uh you know yeah. i've been at, i was after you for a while there but uh you know i gotta thank you for coming on and uh you know hopefully uh you get to Tokyo and get that, get that Olympic dream and uh, hopefully bring home the gold medal. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, that's all in the plan. So got the plan set and just have to go and execute it now. So we'll see how this next year unfolds, but I'd like to thank you for having me on. This was fun. And I'm uh, yeah humbled that you wanted to include me on your podcast and keep creating good things because I've enjoyed listening to them. Awesome. All right. Best of luck, Larissa. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Get rid of me, so kid, know your past, your future will be history. Oh, yeah. 